Good morning. Good morning. Sorry, a little bit of bad timing. Almost hit the drummer with the microphone. Good morning. My name is Matt Sprankle, and if we haven't met yet, I'm the uh, Sunday service director here at Church in the Valley. Uh, I want to say welcome. Glad you're here to worship. Uh, I'm going to continue a message series that Randy began last week called God's Blueprint. We're looking at uh, the blueprint that Jesus gave the church to accomplish the mission that he has uh, for his people. Uh, Last week, Randy talked about the first part of that, and this week, I'll be looking at the second part of the blueprint, which is baptism. Uh, The verse that we get the blueprint from is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's up here on the screen, and let's go ahead and read that together. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I went a little bit further than the verse there, but those are the three different parts of the blueprint that God has for us. The first part of the blueprint is to if you're a Christian, to go and make disciples. And the idea is is that as we're going in our life, as we're living our lives, we have family, we have friends, we have jobs, we're in communities, we're Californians, we're Americans. As we live our lives, we're living them in a way that we're sharing with people God's love. We're telling people about God, who He is, what He's done in our lives. We do that as a lifestyle. That's the first part of the blueprint for accomplishing what God wants to do on this earth. The second part of the blueprint is what myself and Randy will be talking about today, which is baptism. The second part of what Jesus commanded us was to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. When we baptize someone, we are literally, well not literally, we are symbolically uh, with water putting them underwater. Right? They're actually being immersed underwater. It literally means to put under. And the picture, and you can see it up here on the screen, of some of the past baptisms that we've had here at Church in the Valley, the picture is that you're being immersed in something, and the idea is you're being immersed in the community of God's love, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And there are other things that baptism is a symbol of. It's a public expression that you are now identifying with God and God's people. And so today, Randy's going to talk about what baptism is, why we do it, and what it's symbolic of. He's going to do the bulk of the teaching. Today's message is called Going Public, and so in the spirit of going public, I thought I'd share my own personal story about my life before I was a Christian, um, how I became a Christian, and my baptism story, and then what God has been doing uh, in my life to show me how to go public since then. The bulk of the teaching will be Randy, and I'll try to illustrate um, the life that a person kind of moves, the the process a person moves through as they come to Christ and become a member of of the body of Christ, the community of people who walk with God. And so I hope that no matter where you are in your spiritual life, whether you're um, checking out religion, uh, you're not not a Christian, you're not all that religious, uh, I wasn't either for most of my life. And then I I did become a Christian. And so some of you have recently committed your lives to Christ, and you're wondering what's next. For me, I discovered uh, in an interesting way, Pastor Joey Joseph told me that uh, I should get baptized. And so I learned about what baptism is. We're going to learn about that today. And I 
I got baptized. And, and then after that, 12 years ago, uh, when, I was, when I became a Christian and when I got baptized, since then, the last 12 years, I've had opportunities to continue to go public. And so I want to just talk about that. So hopefully, where, wherever you are, uh, you'll find something that can encourage you. So like I said, um, I haven't always been a Christian. I grew up in Indio, California, which is uh, about 65 minutes east on your way down to Blythe or Havasu, you know, depending on where you want to go. Uh, I grew up in a culturally, culturally Catholic home. Uh, Mom took us to Mass, and I was on the faith plan that was kind of the family plan. You know, my parents went to church, and so I went to church, but I didn't really have a, a faith. Um, I was baptized as a child. I, I think what my, the hope was was that by sprinkling me uh, with water and, and offering me to God that I would have a blessed life, I'd walk with God in my life, but by the time I was a man, I was dead to God. What I mean is, is that I didn't hear God, I didn't see God, I didn't know God, I didn't want to know God. I was dead to him, and he was dead to me. And by the time I got to adulthood, on the outside of my life, what you might be able to see, it looked like I was pretty successful. I had just gotten a scholarship to Cal Baptist University, which is a Christian college in Riverside, uh, for swimming and water polo. Uh, my sisters are both almost a decade older than I am. And so I was raised almost an only child, and my parents both had really the most money they had ever had by the time I had come along. So I had some, a new car, and I had some popularity. And so from the outside, it looked like everything was working out for Matt. Things were going really well for Matt. But on the inside, my life was a mess. I was heavily addicted to drugs and alcohol. I had tried to quit several times, and I couldn't. I had this kind of pot of simmering anger that kind of sat under the surface and if you cross my will, I would just erupt. I had cocooned my life with lies. I lied to everybody, my mom and my dad, my friends, my coach, my teachers, anybody I had to lie to to hide what I was doing so I could keep doing what I was doing because if they found out, I'd have to stop. But that left me lonely. That also left me extremely stressed out. At 19, I lived in perpetual anxiety. It was really hard, and I was not in a place in my life to understand what was going on or to deal with it. I just, I was suffering. And then it all got blown apart. When I was uh, a sophomore in college, the end of my sophomore year, I got thrown out of college. I had come back home uh, from a party to campus, uh, uh, dr drunk and high, and they had told me, you do anything else, uh, we're going to have to kick you out of school. And I did. I came back. I, I got caught. And I knew that night that I was going to be stripped of my scholarship. I was going to be thrown out of school. And everything that I defined myself by was just destroyed. And my dad was going to find out what I was doing. And I was going to have to face all my friends and tell them that I got kicked out of college. And I remember I was in my dorm room at 1.30 in the morning. And I was, just, I was just crying. I was by myself and I was just this sobbing, bubbling mess was on the floor, and I can't remember every word I said, but basically I just cried out to God, help me. I wasn't saying, God, I want you to give me my scholarship back. God, let me stay in school, or don't let my dad find out, or don't let everybody find out what a failure I just, I am. I was just saying, save me. I want to be free from this life. I, I can't handle it anymore. I was expressing that to God, and he saved me. God was really good to me. Yesterday I was reading a verse 
uh, I was preparing for this, and I was reading my Bible, and I came across a verse. I'd like to read it really quick. This is exactly what happened to me that night. It's in Psalm 34. It says in verse 4, I sought the Lord, with, I, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all of my fears. And then in verse 6, it says, This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. That's what God did. I called to him, and he heard me, and he delivered me from my fear and my trouble. So I was sent back home to Palm Springs, my tail between my legs. On the outside, my life looked like a flaming pile of rubble. But on the inside, I was renewed. On the inside, I had hope, hope for the future. For the first time in four years, I had hope for the future. No scholarship, no reputation, going back home, humiliated, but I was confident I was going to be fine because God was with me. I knew he was with me. I knew he was going to take care of me. That's what I understood. So I went back home and I told everybody I saw, people I didn't know, people I knew, what God had done. It was great. I was really excited. And then I met one of my friends uh, who I was friends with before I went to college, and his mom had been praying for me for years. She was a Christian woman. Her name was Carol. My friend's name was Aaron. Anyway, Aaron's mom, Carol, was so happy, she introduced me to her husband, Pastor Joey Joseph. And he was, uh, he was from Texas, and he was real country, and he was a really nice guy, and I was telling him my story, and he's like, that's great, Matt. So have you been baptized? And I was like, what is that? Because I had no idea what he was talking about. I I just didn't know what he was talking about. I'd never heard of baptism. I didn't grow up really in a, in a Christian home. I'd never seen the kind of baptisms that we do here. And so I asked him, what is that? And he explained it to me. And uh, so this is where Randy's going to pick it up. He's going to talk about baptism. He's going to share what it is, why we do it, what it's symbolic of. And so let's go ahead and hear from Randy. Good morning. I hope things are going well in Southern California this morning. I'm in Texas in Fort Worth celebrating Hope Church's 35th anniversary. This is the church that launched my wife Cindy and I out to start Church in the Valley 26 years ago. And so we're here celebrating that. I'm taking part in an ordination council and last but not least my son Thad is being licensed for the ministry. So we're here to take part in all these things and uh, I'm trusting that I'm enjoying my time there even though this is way before I'm there. Um, I want to continue our talk about the blueprint. We've been looking at the blueprint that Jesus laid out for our mission as believers, as people who follow him. And so I want to continue our look by diving down into what baptism is all about. When we decide to give our life to follow Christ, uh, we, we gain a new father. Spiritually, uh, God becomes our father. Now. Jesus is the one who makes this possible, and he calls us brothers and sisters. So instead of being embarrassed by him, Jesus wants us to let others know that we belong to him. Baptism is a way that we identify with the family, our new family, uh, being God our Father and Jesus who has called us his brothers and sisters. Hebrews 2, 10-11 says, God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy 
which is ourselves, have the same Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. That is an amazing thing, that Jesus calls us his brothers and sisters. The God of the universe and his Son, the perfect leader, made it possible through his suffering and sacrifice to get into his family. We're now part of his family. So, at its core, baptism is a celebration of what Jesus has done to bring us into God's family. That's really what it's all about. It's a brief drama, and here's what it shows us. The brief drama depicts something. A drama is something that shows you what matches reality. Romans 6 tells us what this, what this shows us, what baptism shows. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, when I say, or when we say that baptism is a drama primarily, we mean it's a symbol of something. It pictures, it depicts something that's very, very real. It's like going to a good movie. You go to a good movie with your family or friends, and you share an experience with them, and maybe if it's a popular movie, you're a room full of people, uh, eating popcorn, doing other things, but you're sharing this experience, and if the movie matches reality, if what you're seeing on the screen matches something that's very real to you, or you uh, see something on the screen that you're dealing with, that you're going through, that you've been handling emotionally, or something that's really important to you, a cause or something, you get pulled into what's going on on the screen. You get pulled into the drama and you begin to feel with and experience with the people that are on the screen. Baptism plays a similar role in our lives, that this is the intent of baptism. The person being baptized is acting out a drama that represents what Christ has done for them. He died, he was buried, and he was raised to new life. This is the spiritual reality for someone who's given their life to follow Jesus Christ. We die to ourselves, Romans 6 says, we die to ourselves when we decide to live God's way. We're buried with him, and then new life is given to us by God's power. So this is the, this is the drama that's lived out in baptism. The people who watch baptism, you know, the person being baptized is acting out the drama. The people who watch the baptism and celebrate with those being baptized are reminded of what Christ has done for them. They're pulled into the experience as they think about it, as they see the picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. They're pulled into the experience and they get connected to what the other person is dramatizing and to the person themselves. So it's very, very, very meaningful to everyone involved, to the person being baptized, to the congregation who's watching them being baptized. It connects us to one another. So baptism is a step that we take to identify with the family. When you give your life to follow Christ, you get a new family, a new father, God himself, and Jesus, who's our brother. It's also a personal declaration. We, we have family insurance policies today, so if, if you have a job and you're a parent or you're a husband or wife and you are covered on your policy, 
uh, the rest of the family can be covered on that same policy. Following Christ is different. There, there is no family plan in following Christ. When it comes to following Him and receiving eternal life, He wants us, each individually, to decide for ourselves to follow Him or not. This is, this is something that we decide. At Church in the Valley, that means that we only baptize adults and children who are old enough to make the decision to follow Christ for themselves. So because God wants us to make this decision to follow Christ for ourselves, this is the pattern we, we live out at Church in the Valley. And this is what you see in the early church. The very first churches after Jesus lived, died, was raised again, uh, are written about the history you can find in the book of Acts in the New Testament. And you see this pattern, Acts 2.41. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So they received his word, they're baptized. Acts 8.12. These are just two of the verses. There are many verses that say this kind of thing. Uh, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So there it is again. They believed, and they're baptized. This is the pattern in the early church, the very first churches. And what you find as you get into the Bible, when it talks about baptism, the New Testament, baptism is not a condition for salvation. It's not something that you do to earn eternal life. It's not a condition, but it's evidence of your salvation. It's evidence that you have decided to follow Christ and he's given you eternal life. So the act of baptism isn't something we do to earn God's forgiveness, but it's something that we do out of obedience and gratitude because we've received God's forgiveness through what Christ has done by dying for our sins on the cross. So... While following Christ is personal, Jesus made it very clear that it's not meant to be private. It's personal, but not private. So, baptism is a way to openly identify with Christ. It, it's a public announcement. Jesus said this in Matthew 10, So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father, who is in heaven. Jesus is saying here that if we have really understood who he is, and we've really given him our lives, we've really died to ourselves and trusted Christ now, and we're going to live his way and not go our own way, if that's the case, if we've really understood who he is and we've really decided to follow him, we're not going to be embarrassed by him. He's not embarrassed by us. He calls us brothers and sisters. We're part of his family. He welcomes us in. He accepts us for who we are and wants us to give ourselves to, to walking in obedience and changing the things that he wants to change. And if he's been so open and accepting and willing to identify with us, he wants us not to be embarrassed by our connection to him as well. So this is a very important thing. Baptism is a public announcement. When someone has a baby, they send out a birth announcement. I, I got one of these a couple weeks ago. We, we tend to get them a lot. Our friends, their children are having children, and so they send out announcements. 
And then friends are young enough. We still have some young friends, okay? So some of our friends are having children as well. And um, when they have a baby, they send out an announcement. There's a picture of the baby on the announcement. And it's a celebration. This is a big deal. When a, when a life comes into the world, we celebrate that. That's, that's, that's important to us. That's something big. And we do this because a new life's coming into the world, and that's what baptism is. Baptism is an announcement to the world that we become a follower of Christ. New life, new eternal life is a big deal. And so baptism is an announcement that we've decided to follow Christ, and he's given us this life in himself. Now, while baptism is very meaningful, it's a drama, we get pulled into it, it's a meaningful thing to us, it's also a little humbling and maybe humiliating at the same time. We get wet, our hair gets messed up a little bit, uh, it's something, you know, we, we natively, we like to be self-sufficient. We like to do everything ourselves. Well, baptism isn't something that you do yourself. Baptism is something that somebody else does. You get baptized by someone else. And that challenges our knee-jerk reaction to be self-sufficient. It also is something that's done publicly. It's a public announcement. Following Christ is personal. It's a personal decision that each of us make, but it's not ever meant to be private. It's meant to be lived out in the open. So that's, that's another key thing that you learn about baptism. And it's, it's personal, but not private, Christianity is, and baptism is a public announcement. What you find is, that baptism tends to provide a spiritual forecast for a person's walk with God. It, it tends to, to show. It's a simple ceremony. It's over within just a few seconds. But it tends to set the pace for the rest of a person's walk with God. Because baptism is something that Jesus commanded us to do. And there, there's a, a sort of this humiliating, humbling aspect to it. And we need to be willing to humble ourselves and obey in order to grow into the people that God really wants us to be. 1 John 2, 3 says, And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. This is one of the very first commandments that many people keep. He says, when you believe, you should be baptized. And what happens is baptism can be something that separates the fans of Jesus from the followers of Jesus because Christianity isn't meant to be a spectator sport. It's not something you do from the stands, but Christianity is something that you live out. You take action to obey when he asks you to obey. And as you walk with him, there are all kinds of life situations, there are all kinds of circumstances where you learn what he says about it and then you choose to take action on what he said and obey what he's telling you to do. So baptism tends to be a spiritual forecast of our walk with God. If we balk at baptism, we may balk in the future, and it's going to hinder our growth in our walk with God and our, our spiritual growth as well. So baptism is a spiritual forecast by providing a challenge to false pride. We talked about that a little bit. Um, 
being baptized shows that you're willing to humble yourself and follow Christ, which, which turns out to be very important reflex as we continue on our walk with God. And it's a testing point. If, if we're willing to follow in this way, in the face of the challenge to our false pride, I mean, there's, there's a good pride where uh, you're, you really accept and appreciate the way God's wired you and the strength He's given you, and, and you, know, you understand those strengths and you're able to, to grow in them. But there's this false pride where we, it's sort of a rebellion against what God wants us to do, who he's made us to be. And um, baptism can be a testing point against that kind of false pride. And if we're willing to follow with baptism in this way in the face of the challenge to our pride, then we pass the first test of many. Because over and over again, we're tested. You know, we, we, we find out what we need to do and we're facing the circumstance, the situation, and we have to decide, am I going to humble myself and obey God, or am I going to do it the way I've always done it? And this is the first test. The best life develops when we learn to humble ourselves, to humbly accept God's guidance through His commands, through the principles of Scripture, and choose His way above our own way. All right. <clears throat> that was great. I hope that was helpful. Uh, a couple of takeaways that I got um, was just Jesus is not ashamed to call me his brother. And uh, well, when I became a Christian, Jesus had a lot to be ashamed of. I was ashamed. But uh, he loves me and he has uh, taken care of uh, my sin, my debt to God. And that's a big deal to me. And the second one was um, baptism is a public act because my faith is personal but not private. Uh, that's a good distinction. Um, I have a personal relationship with God. He's a person, and that's why it's personal. But it's not private. I, I live with um, people of God all over the world, the church, and with, with you. And as I go through my life, I want to share the hope that God has for me. Uh, I left off talking about when I was asked if I wanted to be baptized. Um, Joey Joseph told me, similar to what Randy just said, he explained it to me. And all I could think was, God has been so good to me. You know, I, I, uh, I've been freed from so many things in such a short period of time. That was what I was thinking. It was 2001. It was May. And Joey Joseph was saying to me, the next step for you is to get baptized, to publicly profess that you now identify with Christ, to symbolically represent that you're dead to your old life. And I was ready to do it. I said, okay, let's do it right now. <laughs> So he laughed. He said, well, it's 6.30 on Sunday night. We can't do it right now. But uh, you could come to my place, and we could do a baptism in my backyard in my pool if you wanted. I said, sure, let's do it. So Tuesday night, I'm driving out to Joshua Tree with my mom and my dad, my sister Lisa, my brother-in-law Mark, and my grandma. Um, And uh, none of them in the car except for my mom are Christians. But I didn't know any Christians. I didn't have a church. I was a guy who called out to God, and he answered me. And I wanted to say publicly to my family, the people that I identified with, that I loved, that, that, that I was a new guy, that I, I was God's. I was going to live my life with God. As we were driving out there, there was a little bit of attention in the car because my mom said, you know, you were already baptized. We baptized you as a child. You went through communion classes, and you, you got confirmed. And for her, that was real. 
And you know, I love my mom. She, she taught me to pray. That was a big deal, turned out in my life. But that wasn't my baptism. I did not have a relationship with God. I had not personally decided that I didn't want to be that guy anymore. I want to be free from that life. But I had now, and this was a very healthy thing for me to do personally. I, in a way, I kind of separated myself from my family in my identifying with Christ, but it laid a good foundation for my faith. And so, in Joey Joseph's pool, uh, in the evening in May 2001, I was baptized in front of my family. And when I went under the water, it represented me dying to the old life. That old man, he's gone. And when I came out of the water, it represented the new life, a new mat, alive to God. And for many of you who have also become Christians and baptized, that's what it's meant to you as well. After that, uh, since then, over the last 12 years that I've been walking with God, he has given me opportunity again and again to go public. And I'll just mention one way, and that is just to flat out tell people about God. I don't mean like chase people down and say, you know, you need to have a relationship with Jesus and like force it down their throats and try to persuade everybody that you're right. I'm not talking about any of that. What I'm talking about is when I went home, I was just so happy because God had been good to me that I told people. And a whole bunch of my friends became Christians. And then some of my friends who were already Christians but had kind of stopped walking with God, they started walking with God again. And as I got older, I really wanted to tell people. And so I would tell God, I want to tell somebody about who you are. I want to share with other people the good hope that I have. And it's amazing how God will bring those opportunities. Many of you have been Christians for a long time, and you feel the sense that you should be doing evangelism, that you should be sharing your faith. There's almost a certain, almost bad, pressury guilt mixed together that you feel. And it's good to do evangelism. And it's good to want to, like, you know, decide to do it. But the first step is just wanting to share with people out of the love that you feel for God. And so what I found is, is I would just pray. I say, God, I would love to share with someone. And if we pray and ask God consistently, bring people into my life that I can love, that I can share in some way that makes sense, he will do that. I've seen that happen again and again. I remember several years ago, I was sitting in a jacuzzi at 24-Hour Fitness in Chino Hills, and I was by myself, and I was like, God, I would really like to have relationships with people who don't know you and share. And I had been trying to do all sorts of things to make that happen. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And then two guys my age sat down in the jacuzzi, and we became friends for the next five years. And I had all, t- all sorts of opportunities to share and serve my friend Justin. And they moved away, but there was opportunity, and I took it. I remember one time I was at work, and I had been praying, I really would love to share with someone today before the day is over. And there was no one to share with. And I'm not going to go chase somebody down. That's weird. And that's, that's not what we do. If someone, if I can help, I want to help. Bring those people into my path, is what I'm saying to God. And my TA, because I'm a teacher, she was this Muslim girl, wonderful girl named Nadia, she starts asking me all these questions about Christianity. And I'm doing my work, and I'm like answering a question, answering a question, just giving her short answers. And then God's like, hey, this is your opportunity. And so I just answered the question she asked. She asked another one. I answered that question. She asked like four or five questions, and that was it. She was done. I was done, but that was the opportunity. Last year, a student walked in my class and said, hey, I'm addicted to marijuana, and I can't stop. I go to Marijuana's Anonymous. All these people are talking about a higher power. They're all having victory over marijuana. I'm an atheist. My family's atheist. I don't know any religious people. Can you tell me about God? I was like, what? Well, I didn't say that, but I was like, sure. You know, God will bring people in your life. You have people in your life. 
There are people in your life right now. So if you're a Christian, you were baptized a long time ago, there's still opportunity to go public. Imagine if all of us here who are Christians were to pray every day this week, God, please bring somebody in my life that I can share with in some way. God's not going to play games with us. He does that. 150 people doing that? Think how much good we could do as a community, how much hope we could share. That's what it means to continue to go public long after our baptism. So anyway, I hope that some part of the testimony was uh, something you could relate to, and Randy's teaching on what baptism is is really good. Uh, I'd like us to take a look at some next steps that we could take. So if you would take out your program and uh, your connection card, there are some next steps on the handout. Now, next steps are kind of like, well, here's the deal. If we want to bring God into our life, we have to take a step of obedience. Next steps are like a syringe. When you, when you pull, I, my kids have allergies, so we use a little plastic syringe to pull medicine into it, and then we give it to my two-year-old. The way that you pull God's grace and his power into your life, like a syringe pulling medicine in, is by taking a step of obedience. No step of obedience, no syringe being pulled in. So when you see next steps, that's your growth. That's my growth. So here are some next steps that you could take, not the ones you have to take, but you could take this week. Uh, One of them is getting baptized at the next baptism. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you haven't been baptized. Maybe you have my background, you know. You were baptized some way in your family, but that wasn't really yours. And it's time for you to say, I'm going to obey the Lord. This is for me. This is to honor him in front of my family. You're going to get baptized. Uh, Maybe for the first time, you're deciding to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, If you don't know what that means, what I just said, we would love to be a help to you. Not push you, but be a help to you. And you can let us know on your connection card. We can send you more information. And then finally, uh, you can pray this week for opportunities to share your faith with people. Uh, I'll go ahead and lead us in prayer, and then the band will continue worship. Father, thank you for today and for uh, the opportunity to take a moment to fill our minds with the blueprint that you have. Thank you for the hope that we have that you give us, that you save us when we call. And Lord God, I just pray that uh, we would continue to be a community of love, that we would continue to be a community that goes public, and that, Lord God, you would um, add to our number, that you would use us to bless other people. We thank you for your love and your salvation. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.